one true, living, gracious, and loving God. Amen. Please be seated. We've come to the final week in our three-week Lenten series on the question, what do we mean when we say the word God? We started out with Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar out under the stars. We talked about the radical character of monotheism, the belief in the one true God we share with our Muslim and Jewish siblings. Last week came the God of Moses and the midwives, the God of Oscar Romero, the God of liberation. And the story of Exodus invites us to see that God relies on us to make God's liberating dream real in our own time. And now at last, we've made our way to Jesus. And specifically, we've come to the story that history and tradition have called the prodigal son. And Jesus was a master storyteller. His stories, which we call parables, hardly need explanation, except where centuries of history and bias have been crusted round. And Jesus wove stories that taught about God, about what Jesus called God's kingdom or God's reign, what Desmond Tutu names God's vision of hope, and Dr. King called the beloved community. And Jesus tells us stories about God and about the world God is dreaming and conspiring to build. And many of the stories are so strong as a preacher, I almost want to simply let them stand on their own, especially when they're as long as the one we had today. What can I add? Still, I have a sermon series to finish. I want to venture this morning. This may be one of the central stories you need to know to understand what Jesus means by the word God. There are two teachings about God in Jesus' story. I'm going to spend some time with each this morning. The first teaching is this. According to Jesus, God is a God of loving kindness, of forgiveness. God's mercy is extravagant, unmerited, irrational. And the second teaching is interconnected with the first. God is a God of love, of mercy. And God also invites us to grow up. Dr. Peter Gomes, longtime preacher at Harvard's Memorial Church, quibbled with the traditional title for the story we have from Jesus this morning, the prodigal son. Gomes pointed out that the words prodigal son are nowhere in the text. And the preacher said, this story is not about the son or the sons, but rather about the father. How do we know this? Because the text begins with utmost simplicity and clarity a certain man, the subject of the sentence, had two sons. Really, this is the parable of the father. Now, right off the bat, I've got to tell you, I've got a problem with the name Jesus uses in this parable, and most often for God. Jesus called God Father. Specifically, he used the word Abba, which is the equivalent of our word Dad. Jesus uses a familiar word for God. Something Moses, Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, the midwives, something they would not have done. Something that was a break with the tradition. 
God has a nickname for Jesus. God is that close. This is the positive side. Jesus God is intimate, familiar. God isn't far off, but known, loving. That's the positive side. And now I've got to open up a can of worms. And I know it's a can that I share with a number of you in this congregation. We need to address God's gender. And we've got a historic problem. As the theologian Mary Daly said decades ago, when God is male, then male is God. Our Christian tradition arises in a culture of patriarchy. And Jesus' choice of father does not help us undo oppression based on gender. Know that Jesus did not only call God father. A couple of weeks ago, in our gospel lesson, as Jesus wept over Jerusalem, he said, How I have longed to gather your children together as a mother hen gathers her brood under her wings. Jesus sees God's work as feminine. In many ways, Jesus challenged the patriarchy of his own day. He probably would have faced even tougher criticism if he had referred to God consistently as mother. Maybe Jesus did, and the disciples just chickened out. Maybe they thought Jesus' words were too radical to write down. Maybe. But there's a bigger conversation that we need to have about gender. Here at Holy Communion, we're working on language. We're moving with the wider Episcopal Church toward more expansive language for God. Inclusive. That is to say, we're not trying to neuter God. We're not trying to move toward the neutral. We're working to recover and uncover and incorporate images like the one Jesus used of the mother hen, like the image of the Spirit of God brooding over the waters at creation, like Scripture's Spirit of Wisdom, consistently named She. We're trying to incorporate more images of the Divine Feminine alongside the well-known and in some cases well-loved male names we use for God. Because if we only hear the masculine pronouns, we rob ourselves. We rob our daughters. And we rob our sons. We rob our cis, trans, and gender-expansive siblings of all of the crazy and beautiful ways God's gender has burst the traditional categories in scripture and tradition. Here in this church, we're committing to hearing more feminine and more fluid names for God precisely because God's vision of gender seems more and more beautiful, complex and challenging than the historic church has often communicated. All sorts of gender expressions can be named divine. Jesus' description of God as a father in this story It's one that justifies not abandoning Father as one of the names for God. And part of what makes this Father so compelling is his behavior. He acts so unlike the expectation of fathers in Jesus' day. Men were taught to be just, to be stern. They still are. This Father is nurturing, loving. The father in Jesus' parable sheds tears, weeps with joy, runs to embrace his son, gives away jewelry. The father is less concerned about righteousness and fair dealing than with demonstrating love and forgiveness. 
this parent pushes against the expectations of gender. Maybe a better name for this parable, if you'll allow me to expand on Peter Gomes, maybe a better name for the parable is the parable of the mothering father. This nurturing and loving father also has theological implications. Brings us to the first teaching about God in Jesus' story. God defies all the expectations we have for the sake of love. Jesus, God, when Jesus speaks of God, Jesus speaks of a God who defies all of the expectations we have for the sake of love. We find ourselves here in the midst of Lent. This season, we spend time on our knees. We consider all the ways we have fallen short. We remember the ways that we, like the prodigal, we've made terrible mistakes. Lent is about remembering our sins. But we do so not to wallow in them. Not to impress ourselves or one another with exactly how sinful we've been. We walk through Lent to remember God and God's mercy. Jesus' story tells us that when we speak of God, we speak of a God whose love defies all of our expectations. God's forgiveness goes beyond human understanding. God meets us, all of us, with open arms, with words of reassurance. If you've been lost, you will be found by God. You will be embraced by God. Lent is all about God's capacity to forgive. God's capacity to forgive, which is infinitely greater than our capacity to miss the boat. There's a wideness in God's mercy. The forgiveness of God knows no bounds. This is a vision of justice which simply makes no sense. Just ask the older brother. While the party for the prodigal goes on inside, the older brother pouts. The father goes out to plead with him to come enjoy the banquet. He whines. The father could rebuke his son, but he doesn't. It brings us to the second teaching in Jesus' story about this God we speak of. God invites us to grow up. As often as Jesus called God Father, he talked about his followers, all of God's people, as children. There's no mistake that this story of a parent features not just one, but two children who sin. Both of the brothers missed the boat. The older brother's sin is self-righteousness. It's a dangerous one for all of us overachievers. I like to imagine the parent's face as he listened to the boy. I can imagine he started with great concern. Are you okay, my son? Why are you sad? Why are you outside? What's going on? As he hears his child's angry words, a smile breaks across the father's face. He thinks, ah yes, of course. The father patiently explains, my son was lost and now is found. The parent teaches the older boy about compassion. He smiles and invites him to grow up. Jesus God is a God who invites us to grow up, to learn to laugh at ourselves, to laugh with others, to get out of the silly competitive game. 
we're also invited to see our fellow human beings, not through the lens of sibling rivalry, but through the loving gaze of God. This morning, Jesus tells us a story about a loving, nurturing father, a parent who defies all the gender norms of his time. In this central story of Jesus, we discover that all God's children are wept over, forgiven, and embraced. The story of Jesus tells us that the God we speak of, this God is a source of love and of mercy deeper than we could have expected. We will never merit the wild gift of God's love, the wild gift of God's forgiveness. And in the same parable, Jesus also challenges us to grow up. Believing in God, speaking of this God, means letting go of our petty games of comparison. Speaking of God means learning to see our siblings as God sees them, not from a human point of view, as St. Paul says in the letter. Seeing our fellow human beings as God sees them, as God sees us, worthy of forgiveness and unconditionally beloved. What do we mean when we say the word God? It turns out not even three sermons can fully address the theme. Still, I would venture that our world desperately needs to hear more words about the God we know here, here at Holy Communion. I would argue that our neighbors, our siblings, heck, even some of us in this church are hungry for a word about the God that we know here. The God we know as loving, as life-giving, as liberating. When you speak of God, speak of the one who met Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar out in the desert, in the midst of all life's complexity. The God who blesses the wild diversity of their non-traditional family. Speak of the God who called to Moses out of the burning bush, the God who inspired the midwives to resist Pharaoh's power. Speak of the God who constantly conspires for liberation, who pushes us to love beyond borders, to fight for freedom. Finally, when you speak of God, remember Jesus' stories. Remember the promise of forgiveness and love that is far greater than any sin we might dream up. Remember, likewise, God invites you to grow up, to turn toward your siblings, your neighbors, with forgiveness, with laughter, with love. And to finish this series of sermons, a word of exhortation, a word of exhortation. Say the word God. Episcopalians, I know it's scary, but say the word. God's identity needs to be claimed. Don't let the small-minded among us own God's name. Don't let God be defined by racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia. Don't let God's name be defined by hate and by fear. The world needs more generous and loving words about God. The God we speak of, the one we pray to in this place, our God blesses life in all of its diversity. God works for liberation for all people. The world needs more words about the God of forgiveness and love, the God who invites us to grow up. Say the word God. You never know who will need to hear a word about God.
It might just be you. Amen.